Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Do you believe we're living in significant days? Do you really believe that? Uh, obviously, the past week has been very significant for not only Christchurch, but for us as a nation. But significant things are going on around the world. Uh, there's revival going on in China. There's revival going on through Africa. Uh, Equippers are in revival in Rome. I mean, they're breaking new ground, the Equippers Church in Rome. Um, and also there is uh, a move of the Holy Spirit through Israel at this time where many Jews are coming to know Yeshua, Jesus, as their Savior. Isn't that beautiful? Um, we're going to get straight into God's Word. So if you have your mobile phones, before we go to your app to read the Scriptures, let, let's go to your settings because I, I really believe that... Uh, we want God to really move in the house tonight, yeah? Do we? Okay, so we might, okay, so um, go to your settings, okay? Especially young people, let's go to our settings, all right? And if you really want to fly in God tonight, go to flight mode, okay? All right, okay, just go to flight mode right now, then you can play around with it. We don't want you to Google in at the moment. This, this is a significant time, young people, where the Holy Spirit really wants to speak prophetically, not only to your life as young people, but of the older generation in the house. God really wants to speak to you. So if you just clip on flight mode, we believe that, hey, we'll be able to fly in God this evening through his word. Amen. So two brief readings. First one is in Luke 17, and then we're going to go to uh, Matthew 24. And I'm reading from the New King James. So Luke chapter 17, and then reading from verse 26 to 29. So Luke 17, reading from verse 26 through to 29. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that, the lot, that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Okay, jump into Matthew 24. Cross-reference, Matthew 24, breaking in at verse 37. Just from verse 37 through to 39. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Amen. Well, you can relax tonight. I'm not going to be speaking on eschatology of the last days. I'm not going to do that. But I, I just wonder if right now that in your situation, you are longing and desiring for change, but there is no change coming. What I'm saying is, is that maybe you feel that you're in a season that's just gone on and on and on, and you're still waiting for that divine intervention. You're still waiting for that answered prayer. You're just waiting for that phone call, that email that will just change your situation. But at this present time, Everything is just the same, and it just goes on and on. And, and you're wondering, God, what are you doing? What, what, what are you doing? I've titled uh, this word tonight called 
Season's End, it's not really a title, it's more like a statement. Season's End, what I, what I, what I mean by that is that by definition, a season by definition has a beginning and an end. And right now, you say, well, right, I'm in some season because it's gone on for weeks, months. Maybe you would class your season, it's been going on for years. Well, even though it's been going on for years, there's going to be an end. Because by definition, a season will end. If a season don't end, it can't be a season. Yes? Right, okay. This is not rocket science. So... When we talk about the natural seasons, and we're all familiar with the four seasons that we have uh, in a year, and we would say, yep, the season will be around about three months, and now we're starting to see the end of summer, and we're all expecting that, hey, in a matter of weeks, possibly days, that as we walk across Hadley Park, that things will change, i.e. the trees will have beautiful golden leaves. And we know, hey, this, this is autumn. And so we we understand when we talk about the natural seasons, what the catalyst is to change from one season to another. For for the changing of summer into autumn, the catalyst is just when the ambient temperature just plummets. It drops where we start to get the first frost. So as the ambient temperature drops, there is an until. And what I'm going to talk about tonight, God always has an until. Every season has an until. Until the temperature drops in the season we are now, and I'm talking about the the natural season of summer, as the temperatures drop, so we start to move into autumn. And creation responds accordingly. Just like right now, my dear mum in England, uh, she's looking forward to spring. They've had a winter. But now, when the... Air temperature starts to increase and gets up to a certain height. A thing called germination takes place. I'm sorry if this sounds patronizing, but I just want you to understand the dynamics of seasons. So when the season of winter begins to end, it ends because there is an until. The until the temperature starts to rise, germination will not take place. So germination cries out, I I need the conditions to change. And as the conditions change, so spring. And my mum's going to see the tulips and the daffodils soon. We won't see them for a little while now. Because we understand the natural seasons. Now there's a very famous chapter in Ecclesiastes. Chapter 3, it talks about seasons. And Solomon just lists all the different kind of seasons. There's numerous seasons. And maybe right now you say, Roy, I'm not too bothered about seasons. When you talk about the natural seasons, all I know is the season I'm in, I I just need God to turn up. I I just need my situation to change. And it's gone on for weeks and months. It's getting a feel that it's no longer like a season, but a sentence. You know, we can go on and on and we pray, we cry out, we might take counsel, we go to scriptures, we write a scripture down and we put it on our fridge in the kitchen and every day we read it, we claim it, we stand on God's word, but the season doesn't change. Things don't change and you think, well, am I out of God's will? What's going on? Is it because of sin? And we can go through all the whole witch hunt stuff trying to work out why my season is not changing. Why, okay, my children are not coming back to the Lord. Why has my boss got it in for me? Why can't I get a job? You know, and we can go on. All kinds of situations where we identify our season is, well, it just goes on. And God, I know you're with me, but when is it going to change? Well, God always has an until. Until. 
always. God always has an until. I'll give you an example in Scripture. You know, the Apostle Paul was a very busy man, wasn't he? I mean, come on, the churches he planted and the missionary journeys he went on, if, if you study all these journeys he had, I mean, Paul was on the road. I mean, he went to this place. Well, if you catch it up where Agapus prophesies into his life, saying, look, you better not go to Jerusalem because if you go there, you're going to be bound. And, but he still goes. He takes it as a warning. He goes and he's bound. And, and so to spare Paul's life, they send him to Caesarea. And is that Caesarea? And, and there he stays for two years. He's in Herod's palace in a dungeon, in a, in a prison for two years. And you, you start to think, Lord, what are you doing with Paul? I mean, he's so busy for the kingdom doing such. But here we find Paul for two years in prison. And if you read the, the narrative in Acts, it says he was in two years until a certain person came. When you're reading Corinthians, Paul talks about, I've learned whatever state I'm in to be content. It just seems that there's a moment in Paul's life, this was a season where God was saying, okay, Paul, you're going to have to stay there for two years. Hear me out. And sometimes things don't change anything. God's just saying, you need to learn something right now. Whatever state you're in, learn to be content. And we want to be things happening all the time. But there comes a time where God says and said to Paul, you know, I've got things for you to do, but the time is not right. And so for him, it was not a, se- a, a sentence, but it was a season. And the timing was perfect. And you know, so if you read it, you can see that, hey, he gets on this boat at the right time and there's a terrible storm and he goes to Malta and revival breaks out in Malta. That was an accident. He needed to be in Malta. And we could go on about other men and women of God that were led by the Spirit of God and it was all to do with seasonal changes. Here's a big one. Now, you think that maybe, Roy, I've been in this season for quite a few years. Well, what about a man called Caleb and a man called Joshua? They went into a season for 40 years. That's a long season. Now, come on. We know the story and what happened. You know, he, he and Joshua, Caleb and Joshua, went out and spied out the land for 40 days. They came back. Ten of the spies of the 12 brought back a bad report. Caleb and Joshua brought back a great report, a, a, a report of faith. Uh, and the Bible says that Caleb had a different spirit upon him. But because of the bad report of the 10 spies, God says for every day that you went and spied out the land, you are going to serve one year in a wilderness. And so for 40 years, they wandered in a wilderness. That was a sentence for the children of Israel, but it was a season for Caleb and Joshua because they had not sinned against God. And sometimes, you know, you need to understand, Caleb had only done what was right. He had faith in his heart and he, and, and he it's, I can imagine, you know, the Lord tapping Caleb on the shoulder. Just forgive me, I do go to my happy place on things like this. He tapped him on the shoulder like, and, and, and said, Caleb, you know, you're going the wrong way. And I can imagine Caleb saying, look, that, that's, that's my manning that Moses just says I can have. And the Lord says, no, you've got to turn around and go that way for 40 years. You've got to go that way for 40 years because of the sin is in the camp and what's happened. Now, think about that. If God says to you, you know, you want to follow me? Well, you're going to go through a season. It's going to be for several years. Well, here's the beautiful thing about it. 40 years later to the year, they cross Jordan and they go into the promised land. You think, right, this is the day, says Caleb, crossing Jordan, it's happened 40 years. 
A year passes, another year passes, five years passes. He's 85 years of age, and we pick up this conversation between Caleb and Joshua. And he says to Caleb, says to Joshua, Joshua, what's going on, mate? That is my mountain. You were there when Moses said that that is my inheritance. That mountain over there, that is mine. And then he says something wonderful in Scripture, absolutely wonderful. And this will help you if you feel that your season is too long. Caleb says, but God has kept me alive all these years and I'm still as strong now as I was then. What I want you to say, Satan, no demon, will rob you of the season that God has for you in the future. He hasn't. You need to understand that the devil will want you to throw, throw it all up, to give up. That's, that's what the devil wants you to do. Caleb did not lose sight of his mountain. Even when Joshua said, yep, you can have it, there was three giants to take care of, even then. See, what I want to encourage you tonight, God always has an until. And right now, I'm, I'm led by the Holy Spirit just to look at some responses that you may need to do. Maybe there's just one thing is the catalyst for your season to change in the next 24 hours or the next week or the next month. This is not a formula. It's just understanding that the God we serve is a God of seasons. He sets them by his will. He's a sovereign God. Are you interested? Okay, I, I, I want you, especially young people, I want you to get hold of this. I, I'm still learning this about going into seasons and, and, and how, you know, there are certain things that God requires us to do. Certain things that the season won't change until. Yeah, there is an until. Okay, so let's, let's just look at the first example I want to look at. There comes a time, you know, when... Our response may be, let's go to, back to Matthew 24. And I just want to read a verse here in Matthew 24, where we read, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. There may require, you and I, it's just one simple practical act. The very thing that maybe God is requiring, which is your until, not until that you do something. For, for dear old Noah, God wanted him to build an ark. Now, that, that's not a weekend job, is it? I mean, he had to build what we would call like an oil tanker. I mean, it was some project. Now, theologians have debated how, how long it took Noah. Some say it was 80 years. Some say it was 120 years. At the end of the day, it wasn't a quick job. It was a long job, all right? And I expect there were days when Noah got tired of doing the same old thing. Like a season just goes on and on and on, cut wood, lift wood, bang wood, you know, cut down trees. You know, the days just ran into months and years and nothing really was changing apart from this massive big arc starting to form gradually and slowly. It was like pulling teeth, you know, or watching paint dry, it, the season was really like it's never going to end. Well, the Bible says, and we read it in Peter, that God waited patiently for Noah. So what I, you need to understand this, the practical act here was this. Noah, I'm, I'm going to pour out my judgment on this world, but you need, mate, to, to, to build an ark. He didn't say you need to build an ark really quick because time's running out. And if you don't do it quick enough, 
too late, you're going to suffer, and so will your family. No, God, God says, hey, I, I'm going to pour out my wrath on this wall because, you know, what the Bible says there, there is stuff going on that is an abomination to me. I need to judge this world. And so you know the story. He completes the ark. He completes the ark, not, shall we say, in God's time, because God waited patiently. All right? It was in Noah's ability to fulfill what God asked him to do. So Noah was setting the clock. Now you think, oh, this sounds a bit radical. You just bear with me. I'm going to support it with other scriptures in other means in a minute. When God is actually waiting patiently for you in your own free will to actually come to your sense and say, yep, okay, Lord, I will do it. Okay? God will never, never encroach upon your free will. He won't take that from you. Okay, he will challenge you, he will convict you, he will draw you, but at the end of the day, you will choose. Are you going to do it? Are you, are you going to do it? There is an until, an until. Until now, you finish this ark, okay, I can't flood and, and judge this world because you are innocent. Hear me? You've got to finish this ark, Noah. And of course, if we go to, here we go in, in Genesis. Let's go there very quickly. In Genesis, because I want you to just see what God does. In verse 4 of Genesis chapter 7, he says this. He's completed the ark. And you know the story that God brings all the animals to the ark? There was a God thing. Moses didn't have to, sorry Moses. No, I didn't have to run around trying to gather them up. God drew them to the ark. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded. Now jump to verse six, uh, 16, the last part of verse 16. And as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. There were seven days. I want to say this. God will always give you a period of grace in your season. God always gives us a season of grace. A period of grace within the season that we're in. And God saw that Noah had completed the task. And there were seven days where the door was open. And any Tom, Dick and Harry or that day, if they went up to the ark and said, oh Noah, is there any room for me to come in? There would have been. But here's the tragic thing. Not one person outside of Noah's family decided, ah, curious enough to say, "Uh, is there room for me? Because they thought he was a nutter. They thought that the ark was a joke. And then when it starts to rain, We read that God closes the door. And I can imagine after maybe three or four hours and the water's starting to come up and they're starting to bang in on the door. Noah, let us in. Noah couldn't let them in because God closed the door. Here's, you know, we use this wonderful prophetic metaphor that God will open the door and God will close the door. Let me say this to you right now in your season. Listen, if God opens a door, no man can close it. Okay, And when God closes a door, no man can open. You've got to understand the sovereignty of God in your season. Okay, And so here, God closes the door. That was it. And you see, maybe right now that God is requiring you in your seasonal change to do something that is just very practical. Let me put it this way. Maybe the very thing to change your situation is you to go and bake that cake for your neighbour. 
or go and cut your neighbor's hedge. I'm, I'm, uh, this is not words of knowledge. I'm just putting a few ideas. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, see, the Holy Spirit will show you, okay, what you need to do. He doesn't play games with us, you know. And maybe already you know in your spirit that, yeah, you should go and help Mrs. So-and-so, okay, with her groceries. You know, you've had the prompting, but you thought, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. Maybe because the neighbour next door has been making too much noise and you think, yeah, Lord, I know, I know I, I should go and help them out and help them cut his hedge or his lawn or whatever. You know, basic practical things. All I'm saying, that might be the catalyst that is your until. Until you do that. Hmm? It's not for me to spoon feed you with this. This is where the Holy Spirit will give you revelation to know, yeah, I, I need to do that. You see, some of you are very gifted and talented. And you say, well, I, I can't do what like Pastor Tico can and Pastor Shelley. I, I can't never do, do that. But you have some very practical skills. And God's saying, well, I, I want you to use those practical skills. And maybe not until you enable the Lord to be Lord completely of your practical skills is your until. Not until you do that will your season change. I'm just putting it out there. I, I'm, I, it's for the Holy Spirit to switch the lights on and convict you and show you. This is not a word of condemnation. This is a word where God has got on my case several times about doing basic or practical things. You know, far from spiritual, just practical things. Think, God don't really want me to do that, surely. And so maybe your until is not until you do that practical act. Just do it. It's not rocket science. That's a question. Secondly, it's another practical act. And this is just as significant. Let's go to uh, Luke 17. What I've read here, just because there's another illustration here in Luke 17, verse 28. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that the Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. There comes a time, you know, if we, let's jump to Genesis 19, where sometimes we are in the wrong place. And, and, and it's not necessarily because of sin, not even because of disobedience. We, we just, the way life has taken us down the road, uh, and we now find ourselves in a season, but it's a season that God requires us to go somewhere. Needs us to... A practical act. And what we have here is that, if you remember the story, you know, that Abraham intercedes and says, will you spare him for 30, 35 innocent people? And God says, yeah, I, I will spare Sodom and Gomorrah for 35 people. And he says, what about 20? And goes right down to five. And, he, and, 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 you know, God couldn't even find five. All he can find was Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. And so God sends Two destroying angels to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know the story. And we're picking it up here that when the angels get there, they say to uh, Lot in verse 17, escape for your life. Do not look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed. Here comes the challenge. He's saying, look, Lot, you've got to take your wife and your daughters and you've got to go to the mountains. Now, Lot's reaction is this, and it's mostly like some of us. Lord, you want me to go there? 
You, you want, want me to get involved with that? It's, it's a mountain. It's too far. And actually, Lot's response, he says, if I go down that road, if I go there, I will die. I will be destroyed. It's too big for me. It's too far for me. It's out of reach. I can't do it. And I've been there where God challenges you and you think, Lord, I can't do that. That's too far. And for Lot, you know, this mountain is too far. But then we see something amazing. Law actually says, look, okay, can you help me with this? And, and I, I, I want you to get the, the spirit of this. Because sometimes, you know, God will challenge us and stretch us. And, but where we're at, it might be a bridge too far or a mountain too far. And, and here, Lord is actually saying, look, at this present time, Lord, it, it's too far. I can't do it. So he says, let's go to a, a nearer city. It's not as far. It's a little one, he says in verse 20. Please let me escape to that little village. It's not over there in the mountains. It's nearer. I, I, I can do that. It's like Lot saying, I haven't got the faith to get to a mountain, but I, I've got the faith to get to this small little village because I haven't made leaps of faith like that before. This is, is stuff that I, I can do. And so what you find is, is that God is merciful. So, okay, these two angels says, right, okay, fine now. Well, look what it says in verse 22. They say, all right, okay, hurry, escape there. Now, this is important. For I can't do anything until you arrive there. I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zor. The Hebrew for Zor, just generally, English translation, is, is small. But even in the Hebrew text, it's more than just small. It's actually, you get the word insignificant. Here's, I want you to start sort of just thinking about this. Maybe God is saying, not until you go to the place of insignificance or go to that place where you, or do that over there, where you think is below you, not until you do that and go to there, really will your season end. Hmm? Think about that. God is showing mercy to lot. The mountains are too far, but okay, Let's go to Zor. Now, of course, this, the perceptions change. Now, of course, they go off. You know what happens to Lot's wife? We don't need to get into that. But anyway, eventually Lot and his two daughters get to, to Zor. Now, how about this? When they was actually in the city that was going to be destroyed, Zor was a place of insignificance. When they got to Zor and the angels did their stuff and wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah, Zor became their place of refuge and salvation and hope and future. It was a place of insignificance, but while they was there, where they had been, what God had done had brought them to a place that this is not just a place of insignificance. This is to do with your destiny. It's to do with your purpose. You see, it's all wrapped up in that. And so maybe right now that God is, you know, challenging you, not necessarily to get on a plane and go to a place of insignificance. It might be to go to your neighbour. It might be to cross the road. It might be to go and, and, and do that job that nobody else wants to do because it's so insignificant. You know? I, I'm just putting it out there. I, I, I leave the Holy Spirit to do his stuff. 
But there are times when you know that the Holy Spirit switches the lights on and you know that you know you don't need the pastor to tell you. You just know. You don't need anyone to advise you. You just know, yeah, I should be doing this. You know, I, I should be going there. And, and, and this, is, this word is, tonight is, is a word of freedom and encouragement. It's not a heavy word of condemnation. It's the fact that sometimes we can be in season so long and, and all we need to do is, okay, Holy Spirit, is there anything I'm missing? Is there something I need to do? Is there somewhere I need to go? You know, am I missing the catalyst of this season? Because every season has an until. And finally, let's just go because my time is gone. Let's go to when it requires a spiritual act. So there's an until where we have to go somewhere. There's an until where we have to do something. But our response may be not be practical, but it's a spiritual one. And you're very all familiar with the story of Job. Now understand, Job went from one terrible season, didn't he? A bad, bad season. Uh, I mean, he had, a, he had a season where he lost everything. He loses his health. His wife turns against him. He's lost all his kids. And you know the story so well. And I shared about Job last time I ministered. And so you're very familiar with the story that actually he went into a season, but it wasn't a sentence because he hadn't sinned against God. But what happens in this season is very significant and it happens in our season. You will never have a season like Job had. You will have trials, you have difficulties, you will experience losing loved ones, there'll be great disappointment, there'll be times where uh, you sit amongst the ashes and you grieve. Yeah, there are seasons that are real for us. But for Job, he had three friends that really went, you know, were not really encouraging. They were really, you know, hitting on him. You know, just come, you know, come on. You know, you've sinned against God, you've done and charging him. And then a young man comes on. So you have four that is actually not encouraging him. They're there in his face. And, and then we read that it all changes. It was a season because it didn't go on and on. It, it ended. And in fact, when it ends, he then comes into a season of plenty where he has double what he had lost. So he comes into a season like spring. He'd been in winter and it's gone, gone through autumn, bang, straight into spring. But why I want to show you this is because there is a spiritual act. And the spiritual act was this. It, the very verse, it's in Job 42, verse 10. The latter part of verse 10 gives us the whole reason why it ended. He says, And God restored to Job all those things, double portion, when he prayed for his friends. When he prayed for his friends. The spiritual act may be the callous for your seasonal changes when you actually forgive. Now, that, that, sometimes that's a tall order. If you've been betrayed, if you've been let down, if someone's committed a crime against you, maybe the catalyst for you, your until, is until you pray for that neighbour or the person that wounded you, the person that hurt you, the person that gossips about you, or the boss that treats you badly. You know, we could go on and on. And the Holy Spirit will highlight that. Maybe the very thing that Lord is waiting to change your season is when you just say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to decide to pray. Pray for my friends. You see, the way Job's friends behave, they weren't really friends by the behaviour but he prayed for them. And then there was the change. 
And so I, I, I leave it to the Holy Spirit to give you revelation about your until. But there is an until, so I want to encourage you tonight. Your, your season will end. It will end because it's a season. Seasons end. And tonight, I'm going to pray in a moment, but I'm just going to challenge you to respond, not to come out to the front, but just, just stand where you are. Because I, if the Holy Spirit is showing you something, when I ask you to stand, it's like to acknowledge, Lord, whatever you need me to do, wherever you need me to go, I will do it. If you're in that place of where you want your season to end. Now, God doesn't play games with us. He really doesn't. And it might be that, hey, you don't need to do anything or go anywhere. And it's just a season that will ultimately pass. But it will end. It will end. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time of sharing your word with your people. And Father, we just thank you. You're absolutely sovereign over our lives. And Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for the natural seasons that we experience in this nation. Sometimes, Lord, we experience four seasons in a day. (laughs) But Lord, there are many of us that are going through various seasons in our own life. The kind of seasons that that Solomon spoke of. And I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that, Lord, you'll bring revelation and that, Lord, there will be that high, Lord, of that until, that, that catalyst for change, the catalyst that will turn it around, the catalyst that will end the winter, the catalyst that will see the miracle, that will see the divine intervention. And so, Father, I just pray for those that are in a, a season that has gone on for long, that it's starting to feel like a sentence. I pray, Lord, that tonight your Holy Spirit will bring healing and release into their circumstances in these days in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.